0: everyone, welcome to Next Generation Saints, I'm your host Nick Coons. So today's video is going to be from Texas State University, it's going to be Cliff Koneckley who goes off and talks to his students, it's going to be about what is the value of a human life. Now before I dive into this video and show you this clip with Cliff Koneckley in it, I want to remind everyone to go ahead and like, share, and subscribe to next generation scenes, to get all the new updates I'm going to be putting in, any updated podcasts are going on. So if you're listening to this po- on a podcast, like on Apple or Spotify or anywhere you listen to major podcasting, please go ahead and subscribe. And if you can, like this podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into why is a human being valuable?
1: Science tells me that if I put strychnine in my grandma's tea, she will die, and that is good science. Science never once answers the question, should I put strychnine in grandma's tea to kill her because she's got a lot of money and I want that inheritance now. That is not a scientific question. That is a philosophical, ethical question. Those two issues are not contradictory They are different compartments. Hey, let me ask you, what's the color green smell like? See, that question shows that I'm really confused. Two different categories, color and smell. The color green does not have a smell. What is the smell of middle C on the piano? That's a ridiculous question, why? Because they're two different categories. That's exactly the way it is with science and faith in Christ. Science does not contradict Christ, the Bible, or God, but science is a different field of knowledge. It's the field of knowledge that is concerned with process. What is the process of nature, of the human body, of the universe? What are the natural laws? How do they work? And that is a very important part of knowledge. But I can promise you, if you go on a scientific date, it's gonna be pretty horrendous. Because on a date, you're trying to connect with a human being. You're not trying to connect with a scientific theory. And if you don't keep that stuff straight, you're gonna have a pretty miserable life.
2: Some people, like, they, like, um, like, uh, like, some people, like, around here, they, like, people who, um, feel, like, misunderstood and stuff like that. People would say that, um, they're ugly, they're, like, you know, they don't fit in and stuff like that. Yeah. And they know themselves that that doesn't really matter, especially if they already know that they, they're really special, they're really, they're really unique in their own way, but they're just surrounded by, um, uh, they're just surrounding a world full of people who are, or most likely, unholy creatures that are gonna, like, bring them down, like, um, put them in a deep dark abyss, and right. fill their mind with self-loath and self-hatred and negativity. Yep. And someone would think, what's the point of, like, keeping, like, um living life if people are just gonna see me as some kind of monster, or some kind of outcast, and. Um, and it's just, it doesn't really make any sense to me because there's a lot of people out there who are like going through some stuff like who are actually feeling like this kind of monster who are actually feeling like they're unloved and unwanted and All right. uh, most people, they just, instead of actually like lending a helping hand, they just they just kick them to the curb and actually well. treat them like they are what they are, or, or by most- Great question, yes sir. All right, you've raised the whole issue of
1: identity and why is a person valuable? Sir, if there is no God, there's no basis for human value. If there is no God, you're a hunk of primordial slime evolved to a higher order, and that's all I am. Why? Because if there is no God, what created you and me? Fate and chance. And you don't get value out of fate and chance. No, I can run around saying, I give myself value. I am the greatest, I am the greatest. Or I can run around saying, I'm a loser, I'm horrible, and I can loathe myself. But what Jesus Christ in the Bible points out is, you're not a cosmic accident. You're a human being created in the image of God, which means God made you to reflect his character, his goodness, his love, his integrity, his faithfulness. That's why God made you. So you have innate, intrinsic value, significance, because you're not an accident your number did not come up in a Monte Carlo game, by chance you've arrived here. No. There's an intelligent mind, the creator God, who created you with value. Why? Because you have purpose. If you didn't have purpose, you wouldn't have value. If you didn't have purpose, you'd just be an accident. But Jesus Christ insists, no, you're a human being with innate value because God created you for a purpose in his image, to reflect his character, his goodness, his love, his kindness. Does
2: that make any sense? It does, uh, it's just like in, like some people, they um, do like, um, they know that, but some people like, if they're like being up enough, like, but, well, not well, physically of course, but um, like, um, like given the enough strength to like hit them and beat them down, so it's like their faith is like hanging on, a, hanging on a needle or, or, yeah. a, or, a or thread or anything.
1: Yeah, but if I was an atheist and I understood survival of the fittest, I would use people, I would beat people up to get ahead to promote myself, because I understand reality is survival of the fittest. So I'm going to stick it to you before you stick it to me. Jesus Christ says no. Jesus Christ says people are not insignificant. People have innate value and therefore understand the purpose for which God made you, which is to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? All of my atheist friends try to live their lives that way. But you see, the problem is they're in a major contradiction. With the top of their head, they're saying there is no God, but then they're living off of Christian fumes saying, oh, but that person's really valuable. Oh, but racism is wrong. Oh, but sexism is wrong. What do you mean wrong? It's all relative if there is no God. And if there is no God, a human being's not innately valuable. They're a cosmic accident. See, those, that's the contradiction between the two worldviews of atheism or agnosticism versus faith in Christ. Am I saying that Christianity is the only religion to believe in? No, obviously many people believe many different religions. The question is, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, was he blowing smoke and lying, or was he speaking the truth? Now, I have a lot of friends who say to me, Cliff, you gotta understand something. Truth is relative. You create truth in your head. You cannot live that out. Two plus two does not equal five. Two plus two does not equal three. Two plus two does not equal whatever I choose it to equal. Two plus two in reality equals four. Truth is exclusive. If I tell you that I'm at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas, it means I am not at UT in Austin. It means I'm not at Harvard in Cambridge. It means I'm in Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas. That is a truth claim. And so, Jesus Christ said, I am God in human form. In John 8, 58, he says, before Abraham was born, I am. The Jews did not call God G-O-D. They called him Yahweh, Jehovah, which is the Hebrew verb, I am. And very deliberately, Jesus attached the name of God to himself. The Jews understood, picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. Now, Jesus is either a liar or else he speaks the truth. Why would anybody believe that he's the truth? Because the evidence of the way he lived, taught, died, and rose from the dead points to his credibility. It points to his trustworthiness. That's why faith in Christ is not believing what you know to be a lie. That's why faith in Christ is not, hey, you know, I think I'll invent this system. No, faith in Christ is a personal response to a personal God who is saying, I love you. I've come to rescue you, I've come to Bleed and die on a cross for your sin, to forgive you, and to tie you into an eternal love relationship with the living God. He's either blowing smoke, he's either lying through his teeth, or he's speaking the truth. Read the Gospels. Ask yourself, does the evidence point to Christ being the truth? Now, do you come come out of a... Where, where are you from? You're from India? Yes, I'm
0: from India. From India? Yeah. Okay, so so you as know. you said, growing up, I've seen a lot of other religions. So yep. it's difficult to say when you say that this is it and that
1: is not it. Yes. Okay, good. Let me ask you, in India, when you cross a street, I would argue it is either the bus or you in the middle of the street. It's not both the bus and you occupying the same point in the middle of the street. See, the law of non-contradiction has a ridiculously high probability rate. 100 times out of 100, A and non-A cannot both be true at the same time in the same place. It's either the bus or you in the middle of the street, so please don't walk out in front of the bus. Because if you think that the bus and I can occupy the same place at the same time, you're sadly mistaken, and reality's going to smack you up on the side of the head. Does that make any sense?
3: Yeah. Great. Yes, sir. Think, uh, just uh, divine revelation is a justified... just uh, gives justification for belief. Okay, good question.
1: Hi, my name's Cliff. What's your name? Mary. Mary? Ariane. Anne? Okay, not only am I being rude
2: to
1: Maria, no, Ariane, but I'm being incredibly arrogant. I'm thinking that I can define her, that I can create her name as either Mary or Anne. No, she's not Mary, she's not Anne, she's Aria. In order to develop a relationship with a human being who is not a scientific equation or a mathematical formula, I have to have the humility to accept what she reveals of herself. That's true of every one of your friendships, true of every one of my friendships. And the same thing is true of a relationship with God. If God is silent or if God lies, I will never know God. If I think that God is a six-foot, one-inch white male who likes basketball, wow, how pathetic. Because it so happens that I'm six foot one inch, white male, and I like basketball. So I'm creating God in my own image. So yes, sir, revelation is crucial in order to have a relationship with a human being. Revelation is also crucial when it comes to having a relationship with God. Does that make any sense?
3: But if I claim that a separate God has divinely revealed himself to me, how do we, uh, like, where's the symmetry breaker between our positions?
1: Okay, good. If you and I contradict each other, you believe in one God, I believe in Jesus Christ, then what I have to do is, if I respect you, and I hopefully do, I've gotta ask you why? What's the evidence that this God who you believe in is true, is real? And I hope you'll ask me the same question. Well Cliff, why do you believe in Jesus Christ? What's the evidence that Christ is true? What's the evidence that Christ is reliable? And if I say to you, well I just believe, you better be very careful of me, because I'm a blind believer.
3: Well, if the justification for both of our beliefs is divine revelation, then it's going to be equal.
1: Really? you got to be kidding me. Come on, sir, you know better than that. What? If I say, God has revealed to me that I'm supposed to murder her, do you accept that? And say, oh, well, that's cool, that's your revelation.
3: No, I don't, but that, that's the point. Good. That's the point. It's like, uh, why would I accept, like, a Christian's
1: divine some? Because the evidence is that Jesus Christ is reliable in a way that none of the options are. There is far more evidence that Christ is credible than there is evidence to support anyone else's credibility. That's why faith in Christ is such a good, wise decision. Because it's not blind, I believe, I believe, I believe. No, it's... Look at the historical evidence of the way Christ treated people, what he taught ethically, how he died, and how he rose from the dead. Based on that evidence, I'm going to take a step of faith and trust in him. But
3: isn't that evidence based off of just reading the Bible?
1: That particular part of the evidence for Christ's credibility is based on the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yes, ma'am. Um,
3: and how is that based in historical...
1: Good, because when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that they have the literary style of historical narrative, not "once upon a time."
2: But couldn't
1: anybody write
2: like that? No. I Uh -uh. couldn't write like an. In the first century,
1: there was no such thing as historical fiction. There was epic poetry, like Homer did, used for the Iliad and the Odyssey. There was mythology, obviously. But there was not historical fiction. Well, I mean, there's such like, thing as
3: historical misinformation and, like, uh, well,
1: good. biased narrative. Yeah, and you better ask the question, are the Gospels mistaken? So how would you answer that question? Are the Gospels erroneous? Uh, maybe, like, geological record of the, the flood? No, the flood is not talked
3: about in the Gospels. Well, the flood
1: is talked about in the Bible. Yeah, in the Bible. We're not talking about the Bible. You, I, I, but if, totally... the, if
3: there's not a geological record of the flood, is that, is that pertinent
1: to the... Well, of course. If there's no geological evidence that a flood could take place, then I would have a problem with a flood. If there is no philosophical evidence that it's more reasonable to believe that the order and design of this universe comes from an intelligent mind, then there is evidence that order and design comes about by chance on a regular basis. So don't study for your next exam. Just allow the real you to flow out all over the exam paper. And you know, maybe you'll get lucky, maybe you'll get an A. Now if there's evidence to support that, guess what guys, you don't have to study. Just let the real you flow out all over the paper. But if the evidence is you had better walk into that exam with a sharp intellect that has studied and knows the answers to these questions, then you better study and prepare for the exam. So the historical evidence in the Gospels is Jesus lived a sinless life. Guess what, sir and ma'am? I've tried and I have failed miserably. I'm a sinner. Secondly, the evidence is Jesus taught amazing ethical teachings. Rosalind Pickard, who teaches at MIT, was an atheist. A friend challenged her, read the book of Proverbs, read the Gospels, and see what you think. She read it and says, this is not crazy literature. There's a lot of wisdom here. And Rosalind Pickard, as a professor at MIT today, is a follower of Christ because it made so much sense, the teachings. Thirdly, watch him die. As he's nailed to a wooden crossbeam, instead of cursing his enemies, he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Holy smokes, guys. If I was nailed to a wooden crossbeam, I wouldn't be forgiving my enemies, I'd be cursing my enemies. But Christ prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That demands respect from all of us. But fourthly, sir, and most importantly, three days after he dies, he rises from the dead, and over a period of 40 days, he appears to over 500 people who see him risen from the dead. Sir, guess what? If you die and then rise from the dead, I promise to listen very carefully to everything you have to say. It's a no-brainer. You are in touch with reality. You are trustworthy. That's why I trust Jesus Christ.
3: Does that make sense? Uh, If we have an island, that is, uh, like, we, we, we have no way of visiting this island currently, yeah. but I report to you that someone has been resurrected there, uh, are you, like, I don't know if you're gonna trust the, the record of that.
1: Okay, good question. If the evidence is that you are rational, that you're not a liar, that you speak the truth, and if you tell me, Cliff, on an island over there, there was a resurrection, I can promise you, sir, because I respect you, I will investigate. No, I'm not gonna believe it, off the bat. I'm gonna investigate, I'm gonna ask hard questions, I'm gonna try and go to that island, I'm gonna ask, are there any other people who saw this resurrection? I would ask, could I talk with this person who supposedly rose from the dead? That's what I would do, I hope you would do the same. I
3: I hope we would would do that also, but in the case of the Bible, we can't, so it's like, it's non, you can't validate it out of your own perceptions because there's no one to talk to or to witness can't validate anything out of your own perception?
4: Not anything, I
3: said specifically the events of the, of the Bible. It's, like, it's unempirical.
1: Oh, okay. So what I hear you saying is, Cliff, unless I can see it, touch it, smell it, hear it, it's not real?
3: Uh, I mean, for, for most people it's gonna be uh, what motivates justification for their views. Okay, now all
1: i got to ask you to do is just think with me, all right? So you're an empiricist, which means five senses, and the only way you can know truth is you can validate it with your five senses.
3: Right? Uh, maybe, maybe not truth. You could just say, like, a seeming, like it uh, seems to be the case. Okay.
1: Can you use your five senses to validate what you just said to me? that the main way we're going to ascertain truth is by sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. Do you get my point? All right, let's say it again. Your statement is, unless I can see it, smell it, taste it, hear it, or touch it, it's probably not true. Can you prove that what you just said to me is true? With your so- eyesight, your nose, your mouth, well, your you, ears, your touch.
3: Well, can you list a justify belief that isn't that's non-perceptual?
1: I don't have the finest idea what you meant by that question, but I hope that you've got my point. You are self-contradictory. The person who says, unless I can ascertain what, what, what other, something. What other means? There's not there's not other means. Oh yeah? It's called logic. It's called rational thinking. There are many, it's called historical that, that's gonna, knowledge. That's going
3: to fall under experience.
1: Yeah, well, experience is not one of your five senses. Your five senses are sight, smell, taste, well,
3: composite, touch, and those hearing. Are, those are composites of experience. That, go, that goes into experience, yes. Well, that, that's all that's all that composites experience. There's not anything outside of that experiential. That
1: is, is that not true. I'm I like experience logic, I experience rational thinking. Yeah, it's like it's, it's it's not a, from it's your a sense.
2: Senses,
1: it's a sense? No, logic is not one of your five senses.
3: No, it comes from your senses, right? Because you're. How are you experiencing the world around you?
1: It's not one of your five senses.
3: No, but you're hearing. It's an intangible
1: thing. It's not a physical thing. You're hearing and seeing.
3: You're learning from that, and you're using your logic with that. Yeah. And logic is different
1: from your five senses.
3: But it takes data from your senses.
1: Yes. It takes data, data from your senses, but it goes far beyond that. So does mathematics. You cannot see, smell, taste, touch, or hear two plus two equals four. It's impossible. And yet I trust you believe that. So you see, when you make the statement that unless you can empirically, which means your five senses validate something, it's probably not true. That's self-contradictory, because that's a philosophy. That's a logical system that you've embraced, and it's self-contradictory. Do you see that or is this am I
3: speaking gibberish That's under like an assumption that like the things you just listed are non-experiential but I like you're the only like, you're going to be communicating that to me experientially so I'm not I'm not sure it's it's actually like self-defeating like I don't know there's not um like if you, you can't really provide an alternative that isn't experiential it's just like the nature of of thinking and speaking
1: I'm standing here saying to you, sir, you have good eyesight, you have good smell, you have good taste, you have good hearing, you have good touch, I pray. I hope you're healthy and can do all of that. My eyes are kinda of bad. I'm, I'm sorry your eyes are bad. <laughs> I'm glad we have ophthalmologists who can help you with your eyesight. Okay, so, what I'm saying is your experience goes beyond that. You have the ability to rationally think. You, you have I the ability to under, logically. I just fall under, like imagination as a sense. No sir, imagination is not one of your five senses. I mean, it's I'm,
3: a great illustration of what I'm trying to tell you. I You've mean, got imagination. there's not like there's not an authority on like it's not your sense. Like it, it just is part of your experiential. Oh, fine, like,
1: go Google it then. Okay.
3: No, that's what I'm go saying. Go Google your what are your senses? And I promise you, one of them is not going to be imagination. Well, well, come on, you got to think. And we got to use language
1: in a way that makes sense.
3: I would just reject someone saying it's not part of your sense experience.
1: Well that's very sad rational.
3: We're not sensitive. You can can, can tell me that it's raining right now.
1: And if that's your perception, I'm gonna tell you your perception is wrong. It's not raining right now. Based
3: on your sense experience.
1: Yeah, that's right. And based on my rational mind, which tells me there's no water coming down on any of us right now. It's not raining. That's a rational mind? Yeah, that's a rational mind. And the language that I'm using proves that I have a rational could, could mind a brain in the same way that the language you use proves you have a rational mind. a brain
3: in a vat know it's not raining if it doesn't have touch or sight? A brain in a vat is not thinking. I mean, well, that's part of the hypothetical, that it's thinking. Yeah, but that's so
1: happen. hypothetical, it's scary. Now, I know that you're, some professor might use that illustration, but if you think about that illustration, it is illogical. Because a brain in a vat is not able to tell me whether it's raining or not, that is totally nonsensical. Now, I'm aware of the fact that at Ivy League colleges, they teach that kind of stuff, but that's scary. A little bit? No. You didn't begin in a VAT this morning. Is it possible that you began in a VAT this morning? Sure, anything's possible. I understand that. But the overwhelming evidence is, based on your memory bank, that you didn't begin this morning in a VAT and that all your thoughts were not put in your head by an intelligent scientist. Now, if you wanna go ahead and believe that, I respect your right to believe that, but I'm gonna plead with you to think more clearly than that and
4: realize that that is false. I think another piece to this would be information. So if there is no God, automatically you gotta believe that you are a materialist, a naturalist. No, not not necessarily. And if you look materialistically at something like information, you're gonna be reading your textbook later today, I'm guessing. You're going to see ink blots, but you're going to be taking away information from those ink blots, and as a materialist, if there is no God, you cannot explain why you are grasping your imagination is absolutely included. You're grasping and you're critically thinking through, wow, there's information connected to the ink blots, but totally different. Does that make sense? Uh, that didn't follow actually. like the, the very
3: first part of it didn't follow. you't it's not. Why did it follow? Like, to reject the Christian God is not to, like, automatically become a materialist. There's also, like, materialist theories of information processing. Like, that's not... What is that? That's not like a... What is that? What? What is that? Well, you could be, like, you could be, like, like, a deist and think that, like, there is a creator, but he's he's not revealed. A deist is a theist.
4: You believe there's a God. Deus isn't a, isn't necessarily a Deus. Absolutely, it is. I mean, Deus is sure. basically the definition, as Thomas Jefferson believed, is a god that is very aloof and distant, doesn't really care about us. Well, yeah, he doesn't reveal himself. So you're, you're just reinforcing the point I just made.
3: Well, I'm saying that like it, it doesn't necessarily like it doesn't necessarily follow from rejecting the Christian God that you lose something like. I didn't say the Christian God. Okay, it's a if, you, god. if you, but so just just any a Deus, God. A God. God is fine. Any God. So you're, well, if I just say
4: I have a Deus God, you're fine. You don't want to convince me of like the Christian God. If you ask me. No, I do not necessarily want to convince you. I do not want to say, hey, you have to be a Christian and strong-arm you into the faith. No, I want to respect you, respect it. your free will. Do I believe it is the way, the truth, and the life to eternity? Yes, I do. But I'm not going to strong-arm you into eternity. It's not strong army but you're here to, to propagate the idea, right? Propagate? Sure. Yeah. Um, you're propagating your truth at the same time. I mean... Right? That's a worldview you're propagating. So everybody proselytizes in a way. Some are louder than others. But anybody talking about their own worldview ultimately is proselytizing.
3: Um, but like why, You're why, trying to convince me in a certain
4: way. Sure.
3: Um, but why, why can't materialists say that they're, like, that information processing happens? Uh, that's just a faculty of the, of the brain? Like,
4: they, I don't think that's inconsistent. I don't, I don't understand. But for the same reason you cannot, as a materialist, ultimately explain something like consciousness. Abstract thinking, you see the rose, you see yourself seeing the rose. You think about meaning and purpose in life. That's abstract thinking that has nothing to do ultimately in being just the brain, just neurochemicals. See, when I'm talking to a consistent atheist, it's all boiled down to, yeah, that's just your neurochemicals. Love, for example, love is not infatuation. Love is nothing really that we should look up to and say self-sacrifice is this great thing. No, it boils down to it helped us propagate our genes. It helps us really it, it, extend the gene pool. That's not mutually exclusive. It can be both. It can be like a okay, great how can thing. it be both as materialist? How can it be both if you're going to be because consistent? The,
3: the the former was just like an emotional, uh, like interpretation of that. It's like just an attitude. You said it's not a great thing. Something being great isn't in virtue of like, if that's in virtue of what I like about it. So it's like, I can say that that is equally mysterious and great just as how it arose in as
4: the latter case. Like but it's, it's just not. totally subjective and arbitrary because it's ultimately just your neurochemicals well, firing we, in a certain if kind you of way. Because you're fully a reductionistic, right? Are you an atheist? Uh, you reduce everything say. to <laughs> materials. See, like, that's my point, right? I'd like to invite you to Grace Community Church, located at 365 Lukeswood Road in New Canaan, Connecticut. Our services are at 9.30 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. on Sundays. Hope you can join us.
0: Everyone, welcome back to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. I hope you really enjoyed this video. I hope you enjoy plenty more from Give Me an Answer on all other Stuff that I bring to Next Generation Saints and it continuously brings you back to this channel to be continuously blessed. Again, I want to remind you guys, if you like this video and other ones like this, please like and subscribe wherever you may listen or watch podcasts at all. And give Cliff Connectly a shout out or go over to his thing of Give Me an Answer. So, until next time we meet again, may God virtually bless you all, my dearly beloved.